Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Snapshot, episode 60. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by Marvel Snap Phenom, KM Best. KM, your week in Marvel Snap, sir. Pretty good week. Um, Cull Obsidian came out, and he is a pretty significant buff to the Thanos Lockjaw archetype. I think that that archetype specifically is now probably what I would say is the best deck in the game uh, because of the influence of Cull. But I would also say without Cull, it was still like, you know, one of the top, you know, four or whatever. Just when you put Cull in it, I think it goes from one of the top four to probably the best. Like it goes from like, okay, I would say there is an even chance between any of these four decks being the best deck in the game to. I would say probably 60% Thanos, 40% the other three, right? And that's what Cole does. And that, that is an important thing to do. The issue I'm seeing is I don't think he does that in any other archetype. I think basically every other archetype, he's like the world's most replaceable card. Like people are playing him in bounce. I saw people were like running three one drops to fit Cole in and five four drops. And that that one has terrible win rate on tap, like worse than if you had not put Cole in the deck. But if you cut one of your four drops, Enchantress, for Cull, mm-hmm. your win rate actually goes up and your cube rate actually goes up, according to the numbers there, which I think a lot of that is because people are going to be expecting Enchantress and won't be expecting Cull, and that'll sort of change as people grow to expect the Cull. But it's like, it's a pretty marginal gain. And so for 6,000 tokens, the only place this guy is actually plausibly worth 6,000 tokens, I'm not even going to say he is, but plausibly worth 6,000 tokens is in Thanos Lockjaw, very specifically. That is where he goes. And I think if you want to drill down on what makes him good, it is the card Scar. And I think if you want to get even <laughs> yeah. more specific here, if this guy was released as a 4-9, I think he gets he is unplayable. Yeah, so- I think he is actually unplayable. And the change to 4-10, whoever in their department came up with that and was like, this is actually a buff, it was a really good idea, because it was. Yeah, so, um, I mean, obviously at 4 9 at Dodger Shang-Chi, but Thanos Lockjaw has a whole entire new high roll, which I think is mm-hmm. debatably better than the uh, Lockjaw Mindstone high roll. Um, to be honest, it's actually just Timestone on 2, Cold Obsidian on 3, Scar on 4, Devil Dinosaur on 5, Vision, and then whatever you want on 6. So you're double 5 dropping, and you're dropping Cold Obsidian on 3 and Scar on 4. Like, it is, there's not enough Shang-Chi's in the world, period. Like, yeah, just that is that is that is that is what they're where Thanos is at right now is there are not enough Shang-Chi's in the world like you are. We are playing too many big things. You are not you are not in this game. We are playing too many thin, too many 10 power dudes. There's just too much numbers on the board. Do you but think that, while that- he, hold on? I, I want to say that nut draw. That's cool. That's not why he's the great there, though. It's because he's good with that nut draw. He's also great when you're doing your other nut draw. Because playing a big guy and putting a stone into Lockjaw is basically the best possible play you can make. There is no play better than that, right? And so you have Cull Obsidian to enable that. You have Wave to enable that. When you play Black Swan in Thanos decks, which some people have been doing, myself included, the reason she's in there is to enable that. The whole point of any of those cards is when you have Lockjaw, they get like a a 2x multiplier because they allow you to double spell. And when you're double spelling with stones, especially if you've played a mind stone, a lot of the time what happens is you just like play two six drops. Mm-hmm. Like you just play two things with 10 power and like Cull Obsidian, like it's like, OK, it's turn five. I am playing a stone in a lockjaw and I'm playing a Cull Obsidian and that stone goes and gets Magneto. You just instantly win the game. Like and there's a lot of Cull Obsidian lets you do that. Black Swan lets you do that. 
wave on four lets you do that, right? So like you get the wave on four, you go, you know, lockjaw on three, wave plus stone on four, big guy plus stone on five. That's the nuts, right? And Cull Obsidian is another thing that gives you that on turn on turn five. So it's not just he's got like, oh, I'm the nut draw with the time stone. That's cool. I did it like one time in like 50 games. It's that he's also great with the other stuff in Thanos that Thanos is already doing. He's a a boost to he's not just an additional nut draw. He's a boost to your existing nut draw. And that's why he's so good in Thanos and so fine in every other deck that plays him. Yeah, <clears throat> I wonder what the bounce low win rate, if that is anyway indicative of like the data issues we've talked about for a long time in this podcast. I do think that bounce is a, a somewhat harder archetype to play. Um, no, because I'm comparing like, two other bounce lists. Okay, two other bounce lists. Yeah, so like, like, like I, when, I when we compare, the, uh, yeah, I cut the enchantress myself. Right. So like when you go when you go and look at uh, decks with beast and falcon in them uh, on say untap on, on say untap.gg. I, I'm going to refresh because like I, I did this in for my Cull Obsidian video. So I'm just going to look at the numbers as recently as I could possibly get. So like Dex, uh, we're going to do 200 game win rate, right? Just the classic untap.gg 200 game win rate. All right. So the highest win rate one is uh, 54.2, 300 games. And this is with a 6,000 plus collection level, 100 plus on the on the rank obviously and it is the one that it it is like this incredibly off the wall thing that no one seriously seems to be considering but it's like uh forge spider ham iceman nico minoru beast zabu falcon black swan shang chi werewolf enchantress cull obsidian and you could actually very much more easily sell me on this than on uh, like just shoving cull into the annihilus bounce stuff because the next highest win rate one here is uh just normal bounce and we're looking at Forge, Iceman, Hood, Nico Minoru, Beast, Zabu Falcon, Shang-Chi, Werewolf, Enchantress, Sentry, Annihilus. You notice what's not there? Hmm. It's Call Obsidian. He's not there. That one's 54% win rate, 10% cube rate. All right. So next up is we have Bounce over here. This is the one with Cull Obsidian cut for Enchantress, right? You, we, we, we cut Enchantress from the previous list. We put Cull Obsidian in. Otherwise, it's the exact same list. Win rate is 52.8%. Cube rate is 0.18. And then uh, going back to that uh, previous list, which that one, but we cut Iceman for Cull Obsidian instead of cutting Enchantress. That one is lowest of the cube rates plus 0.07 and lowest of the win rates 50.4. This is what I mean when I talk about call where it's like, OK, like there are some compelling numbers here for specifically Thanos, but for basically every other archetype, especially bounce, it's the world's most replaceable card. Like if you ask me what to replace call with, I would say Enchantress and I would be right because you could absolutely do that. Like if you're playing a nihilist bounce, yeah, replace them with Enchantress. Go nuts, dude. You're fine. In the um, in the Thanos list. Are you playing Leech or are you playing Jeff? Because that seems to be like the flex spot that people are disagreeing on. I cut Leech because like the idea with Leech is it's a hella card. Yeah. Right. But I'm more willing to just like go points for points against Hella. And then in every other matchup, Leech is complete ass because it's a five drop that does not accelerate your scar. 
Mm-hmm. Like that is that is and like playing five drops is getting harder and harder in the deck because a you almost always want to wave out a six drop because a Kyara will protect it. Right. You like investing in five drops without having that protection for them is actually quite difficult. And only one of your five drops, that's that's, of course, Devil Dinosaur is actually going to discount Scar. And it does that while being an absolute removal magnet. So I find a lot of the time if I have any excuse to do anything else, I will do it. And uh, so like with, with Leech, it's like, yeah, if you specifically would like a minor boost to your Hella matchup. Go nuts. It's totally fine. But I just think that like. Right now, you are legitimately sacrificing some power in every matchup that is not Hella. And I think that the point of the Thanos with call deck right now is it just does too many numbers too well. Its numbers are too strong. And your job is to actually be big enough to compete with Hella just on points. And you can do that with enough points. Yeah. And I think Leech prevents you from doing that a lot of the time. Now, it is going to win you some games when the Hella players are aggressive with snapping. But one thing I've noticed is that as Hella has become more of a popular deck, they've been less aggressive, right? That they don't have to be aggressive with snapping because the deck just works. And so it becomes this like almost... It's close to being worthwhile, but I just think that like you'd rather do play the best version of the deck. And if you play 20 Hellas in a row, sure, go ahead. You know yeah. what I mean? That was my experience. Exactly. So uh, I was playing with Jeff initially and I just ran to a bunch of Hellas. So I swapped the leech in. Um, yeah. I mean, in regards to Hella player snapping, I've just been I've just been eternally confused sometimes when I'm just like, OK, they, surely they don't have it. This is like if they had Hella here, this is the most snappable hand. Like they're not snapping we're on the final turn and then I just get juice for the cube. And I'm like, maybe they're just better. Maybe that's no, just like that, that's actually how a lot of Hella players play now. Right. Yeah. Because they know the deck is so telegraphed that it's like, all right, I guess I'm just going to juice you here. I guess I'm just going to be like you're you're because like that. One of Hella's superpowers is people stay against it when they shouldn't or Maybe not necessarily when they shouldn't, but like the Hella player is generally more practiced at calculating the position they're in than the opponent is at calculating the position they're in because they're the one playing the deck, right? They have a little more experience in those spots. And so I I find that once you learn how to have retreat discipline against the deck, it it sort of becomes just like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I still think Hella is just not the kind of experience they should want in high in a viable deck i think it's probably like you know it's not on galactus level it's not on Eliath level but it's probably third where it's just like you look at these cards where it's like you play the card and the game becomes totally invalidated and i think that's going to be true of a lot of like super high played win rate six drops because that's the point of those super high played win rate six drops yeah but i think for the most part I've backed off my you must completely obliterate this stance just because it's like. I I, I see the argument from the from a, a texture standpoint where yeah. it's like, you know, maybe this is not great, but it's it's fine for a month at least, you know, like take a take a look at it, maybe. But like, you don't need to rush it. Right. This is not a blob situation. This is a if you come up with a solution to this, it needs to be equitable to the people who actually enjoy that kind of gameplay situation. I, I do think I stand by the fact that, you know, Hella should probably never be a tier one deck. Mm. That is probably not the kind of thing you want to be a tier one deck. And it, I would say, undeniably is right now. I mean, I agree, and I agree that Hella is irritating, just, but I do yeah. think that 
like a tenant of game design is to have it is important to have decks that are very approachable and i do think the hell is an extremely approachable deck it is kind of a curve out when the game deck uh, the weird thing is i don't think it's approachable why it looks approachable but it's not there's a lot of hard shit to do in that deck like there's a lot of like okay i need to figure out my ordering here i need to make sure i don't put this thing into lockjaw because if i discard this card and then silver samurai comes out of lockjaw i discard my own hella stuff like that i i guess my thought process with hella is basically like it creates probably the most non-games in marvel snap right now and i think any deck that creates the most non-games by which i mean just like the entire game is they play hella on six <laughs> like that is that is a uh, any deck that creates the most non-games is naturally going to catch some flack i do think hella probably crosses crosses the threshold of like really 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 annoying but i think the real thing that's really stopped me from this is i don't know what you would do to make it worse to make hella worse um i mean it would probably i just don't know what you would do It'd probably be something in regards to making the discards uh, less consistent, right? Where Blade takes the rightmost card and Lady Sifts takes the highest most card, which, I mean, those that's going to affect other archetypes as well. But right. um, I think that's the current issue with Hella is you can be pretty consistent with your discard outlets and still have Hella in your hand and Hella on. But the thing is, is like when you talk about um, non-interactive matchups and these decks just kind of doing the thing and win- winning the game, there technically do exist tech cards, like we talked about with Leech. It's just that we don't want to put those tech cards in our deck yet because the Hella representation isn't high enough. But theoretically, well, it's actually like deck. a fail a fail point of leech right where it's like it's the only card that could possibly be good into hella but leech is such a weak card on its own that it requires you to be ahead mm-hmm. in order to play it and what they've done is they've systematically nerfed all the ways to snowball an early game lead right they've nerfed every early scaler which is the exact kind of stuff you would want to play in your leech deck so you could be like i'm going to get more value out of the early turns so i can sacrifice turn five do this and since they keep and kept nerfing every single early game powerhouse now we're in a situation where like the best early game plays just kind of suck with the obvious exception of gladiator if you even count him as early game and your whole early game strategy is I'm just going to Zabu into a four drop instead. And so you end up with this situation where turns one and two don't matter. And then you need turns three and four to really matter. And turns three and four probably can't carry you enough to play Leech in your deck most of the time. And this is because turns one and two and mostly three are super, super, super weak. Yeah. Like it, it, it's it's an issue of not necessarily leech failing its role as a as a as a like safety valve. It's an issue of there's no good context for you to put leech in. You have like these leech hawk decks, and it's like okay, that's fine. But if you flub the early game, you die. You cannot play leech and play from behind. You just can't do it. And the other thing that's weird about Hella is it's actually just like it, it gets stats on the board anyway. Where you're in these situations where it's like, okay, I'm the hella gamer, but also like, you know, Sith is a three, five blade is a one, three lockjaw is a card. And you're not just like playing nothing on the board to create this. Sometimes you're playing Black Knight. Sometimes you're playing Dracula. Like those are these are like legit threats. Yep. And you're in this situation. Yeah. And like you're in these situations where like this is a deck that is not necessarily answerable by Leech, despite being the kind of thing Leech is designed to answer. 
because of and I'm we're back on one of my least favorite cards of all time, Lockjaw. <laughs> like I mean, the other stuff, but yeah, Lockjaw is a pretty key part of this Hella deck, I would say. Yeah, um, well, Lockjaw is a key part of some sure some is. of the major players in the in the metagame right now. It is funny the amount of times you will play Leech on turn five against you know decks that Leech is supposed to be the reason why you have Leech in your deck and it wins you the game. Very small because <laughs> like small. you have Leech in your hand, you're like, okay, I'm setting up my turn five is going to be a Leech, and they go turn four Ghost Rider. You're like. Okay, well, I'm kind of priced in this leech, and I have another five drop. Turn five and leech, dead. and then they drop. Yeah, turn six Magneto with no abilities. Ooh, <laughs> not like too it, bad. It, it's it's just one of those situations where like leech requires a specific context to fulfill his role. And I'm not saying we need a buff leech. I'm just saying like the fact that there's no other ways to deal with a situation like this, I think, is an issue. Yeah, I'm um. I'm kind of in between with like buffing nerf the metagame in itself, like looking at it holistically, like whether I like it or dislike it. Um, Cause I do like a lot of the aspects of it in terms of deck diversity. That might be less so the case now that Thanos has rid- risen in power so much, uh, but we'll see over the next week or two. Um, I do enjoy being able to, th- that there's a lot of choices, but it feels like sometimes that there's not a lot of meaningful choices. It kind of feels like I'm playing a Zabu deck, a Hella deck or a Lockjaw deck. Um, yep. I think it, well, I mean, Hella deck is a lockjaw deck. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess or a discard or discard deck or destroy deck or something like that. Um, but it feels like there's these three pillars of the metagames, and I don't have much expression out of that. But I don't know if I should, if that's something I should ask for, right? If that might just be enough, and because we have this cadence of OTAs and new cards, it will just naturally and almost organically start to cycle in terms of archetypes, new cards, and things like that. And maybe that's good enough. Yeah, I mean, I think it is personally. Yeah. Um. I will say that like like there's like some very specific pain points in the metagame. Hell is only one of them. Mm-hmm. Like the way Thanos gets to be non-interactive with Kyra and cheat energy with Scar is yeah. uh Kyra's pretty annoying. Eh? That's tough. That's definitely <laughs> tough. One thing I've started to learn is like you you know, you if you have a choice between shanging a Colobsidian and a Scar, you, you shang the Colobsidian because if they play Kyra, you're screwed. Uh it, it's one of those situations. Like if you don't have priority, I've definitely lost to like shanging a scar and then they reveal Kyra and then I call them a sniper, you know, yeah. a classic, right? We, ta- we talk about I mean Hella being non-interactive and kind of doing the thing and it's annoying, but I'm assuming that being on the other side of Thanos is a pretty similar experience. Yeah, I mean, it's not a coincidence. These are both lockjaw decks, right? <laughs> the interesting, the interesting bit about it is they uh, they use lockjaw for like roughly different reasons, right? Hella uses it to guarantee its combo as much as it can. Like we're just seeing as many cards as we can. Thanos uses it to straight up cheat. For Thanos, seeing the cards is sort of a secondary thing. Mm-hmm. For Hella, seeing the cards is the primary, and cheating is the secondary. But the point is, uh, nerf lockjaw. <laughs> that's where I'm, that's where I'm going with this. Like uh, the, the those are, I would say, probably the two best decks in the game. What it, what is and, a nerf, what does a nerf to lockjaw look like? Is it a power? Okay, um, so power here's here's my lockjaw. Here's my lockjaw nerf fish. All right, you just you just delete him. You can't delete him. You just delete him. Is he, is he, is he, just, a, three, is he a three zero? No, he's like, he's like a, he's like a he's like a three four that does it one time or some shit. He's like a he's like a he's like a five. Five, but he can't flip things that cost less than two. I don't fucking know. He's like a he's like a you give him the same text, except everything you put into him has to cost two or more. Okay, I mean, that changes the value exchange rate, which is a pretty significant downside. I don't know. Like that that probably sucks. Like everyone's probably mad at me right now. 
But like you, you just you just you stop people cheating, and that would be good. I think he'd actually still be played in Hella though, which means that's not a good solution. <laughs> yeah, like, Hella still just uses him as like I'll throw my Jubilee in here. I'll get I get to see two cards here. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I mean, we had Torque on, on the podcast recently, and I mean, I definitely agree with his sentiment, which I think is a uh, commonly accepted sentiment when it comes to sna- uh, to Thanos, Lock- Thanos Lockjaw, the current list, um, especially with Club City, and just like the snap equity of this deck is so good, um, especially mm-hmm. that you have a you have a consistent, very, very good curve that no longer needs to include Lockjaw. Like you said, it's it's a rare occurrence, but the fact that you have a somewhat serviceable, more serviceable yeah. curve without Lockjaw makes, in my opinion, makes this de- that is what makes this deck so much more powerful is I don't need to find that damn dog in order to, nope. you know, snap. It's crazy. Yeah, Th- Th- Thanos' secret has always been that it's like a 50-plus percent win rate deck, but it has the cube profile of a Mr. Negative, where it's like, this is like if Mr. Negative was a good deck baseline, right? Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to, like, aggressively snap all the, like, weird Mr. Negative things that you have to snap or you otherwise shouldn't be playing the deck. This is like if Phoenix Force was the best deck in the game, right? Like this, when, when we talk about like how combo decks need to not be super consistent, high win rate machines because they're such high, they have such significant cube equity. Thanos is that and always has been that. Yeah. Like it is, it is a combo deck that is also a mid range deck that just does things better than every other deck. And Lockjaw is obviously a key piece of that, but like there's just, it just has a lot of damn tools. You know, yeah, it can I do mean, everything you want. The fact that like this is, I think, like the, the actual just like damning bit about Thanos is just like somehow it still gets to be a Shang-Chi deck. <laughs> like, yeah, somehow, Sc- Scar Shang-Chi <laughs> turn six. Yeah. Like, bro, come like, on. Somehow it still gets to do that. And it's like, it's just like it, there are certain Thanos metas where it just feels like Thanos is the everything deck. And this is one of those de- metas where it feels like that. Like Thanos is the everything deck. It's got Lockjaw cheating. It's got Kyera to protect your big stuff. It's got arbitrarily large guys. It's got Vision and Jeff to get into closed off locations. It's got location control from Reality Stone. It's got Magneto to tech against some of your worst matchups. Like it's just it just it feels like the everything deck. There's not a thing that you want from this deck that it probably can't can't do except play Enchantress. Except you could probably put Enchantress in there. <laughs> like you kind of do whatever you want. And there's this that like that like that's how original Thanos felt. And like obviously this is a pale imitation of original Thanos, but the metagame now is a lot weaker than it was then too. Yeah. And so we're in this situation where it's just like when Thanos is good, it starts to feel like this is everything. When this deck starts rolling downhill, it is just like, oh my god, you cannot win. Yeah. And that's always how I like Thanos has gone up and down, but its profile has remained the same in the hands of good players, which is it plays like a combo deck, but also can win those close to cubers. Like it doesn't have you aren't priced into snapping when you do stuff. Mm -hmm. I think the Thanos is a deck that was uh, at least previously defined or, you know, people that's how people looked at is a deck that was defined by its peaks and valleys. And I think with the addition to Cold City and um, it just lessens more that more peaks. Yeah, well, it's not even more peaks. It's like we're just a little bit more flat, and like we're flat, and our and our standard rate is way above the rest of the metagame. And it just it makes a deck so much more powerful. Adding consistency into a deck like Thanos, which is dropping multiple six drops a game, is playing four tens, is playing things like Devil Dinosaur, has tech cards in it. Like that is a lot, to, and it's cheating with Lockjaw. <laughs> it's a it's a lot of axes to compete on. And um, yeah, to, I, what do you think is a good deck? into Thanos that isn't something that is also another ship in the night like Hela. Uh, junk decks. 
like a nihilist bounce if you draw the right cards for sure uh like there are it's not like thanos is unbeatable like it, it's the same way you would look at beating old versions of thanos it's just you know things like dark hawk aren't really as viable of an option yeah. because of blob, blob right yeah. but like you you are in these situations where it's like yeah like junk decks uh sending over that negative 10 sending over that hood with a nihilist like that's really damaging to them like things like that if you play them well can be very good into thanos i feel like with a good draw those decks are favored um anything that is looking to clog up lanes is obviously good into thanos so like for example debris hazmat stuff it's not my favorite archetype but it probably will beat thanos uh hella can match thanos power for power destroy can match thanos power for power and actually uh living tribunal because thanos does not have enchantress in it uh is is a is a functional way to to attack the deck but right now thanos is occupying i mean like like phoenix force too right like i it's that's, that's Fe- combo decks, I think it's right? Phoenix like, Force with Phoenix Force on four after destroying multiple man. Like it, I don't think it. Yeah. So Phoenix Force. Yeah, has, I mean Phoenix Force when you do the Phoenix that sort of goes without saying. Yeah, I'm but Fe- like, no, Phoenix, Phoenix Force, Force is also is really like good. sometimes really good. playing Loki, right? So like that, that like that's crazy too. Uh, Loki, by the way, is still fairly solid in Thanos. Like it's it's you're you're probably good there. Yeah, I think Phoenix Force on five can beat a lot of decks. Um, I don't think it can beat Thanos. I think you have the Phoenix Force on four, no. which is like yeah, you have the Phoenix Force on four. Yeah, that's kind of hard to do though. <laughs> it's uh, you, you need like very well, specific cards. Have you considered getting better at Phoenix Force? Yeah, I'm working. The on you it. are the more you do that. Yeah, I'm working on. It. I tried Loki as well. I didn't. Um, it was okay. It was really good. Uh, during one of the hot locations, but mm. I think I've gone back to the the Elioth for now. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a little bit sick. So. Anyway, um, in the news, we did have the Valentine's Week event. Is this the first event of this kind? I believe it is. I don't know if they've ever tweaked values for any kind of seasonal event before. I believe this is the first, yes. Yeah. So we had, you basically, you play a, two pairs of cards, what they call couples in your deck, and they would get additional power bonuses for this limited time event. Um, I, we don't have to talk about all of them. There were some relevant ones that I did see attempted to be played against me that was mainly she hulk and daredevil outside of that i think i faced one rescue iron man didn't work out too well for my opponent i considered playing scarlet witch in thanos instead of uh instead of jeff just to get the additional power on vision um but ultimately didn't try it what was your experience with this this limited event so far oh i'm glad it wasn't hyper impactful Mm -hmm. um i think I'm sad it didn't get an OTA like I, I obviously I'm sad about that, but I also don't know if any of my issues with this metagame could be fixed with an OTA. So I'm willing to just like, you know, sit down on that one. Right. Where it's like, you know, obviously I would have loved if they magically fixed all the things I didn't like with an OTA. But that seems like an unrealistic expectation for an OTA. And therefore, I guess it's just like I'm just sad. <laughs> it's not like a realistic critique to be like, hey, could you guys have fixed Hella in an OTA? Like, could you guys have solved Lockjaw in an OTA? And it's like, yeah, you probably couldn't have. Um, so I would guess my head is sort of at like, I think this event was dope. Mm-hmm. I think it was sick. Uh, I, I'm... I- I'm a big fan of it because it managed to do something that's like a hot location, but more exciting and more fun and more interesting. 
And it's not as annoying as a hot location. Because <laughs> it's not as good. It's not as, it's, not as, it's not as omnipresent. And so uh, if they... God, they should do this instead of hot locations. Like, this is so much better. This is... This is like, they should never... Like, well, here... Okay. They shouldn't get aggressive with these. I think, you know, obviously you don't want them to be super common. Mm-hmm. That said, if they were to make them super common, holy shit, if they changed one of the locations they used to like this instead, that would be a million times better. Because when you look at a hot location, what it actually does is encourage what can only be either degenerate deck building or no change in the metagame, depending on the impact of the hot location, right? You are either building to abuse it or you are building a normal deck because it's not that impactful, right? There's no in-between. There are no hot locations that have just been like, ah, well, I'm going to change one or two cards in my deck so I can do something minorly interesting on this hot location. It's always, I'm going to abuse it. I'm going to put Green Goblin in Bar Sinister. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abuse this as much as I possibly can, right? And this is a much more soft touch a much more middle ground where the people that want to do stuff with these underplay guards can and it's actually not bad and like there's a mogwai tweet where he's like can we please just keep this permanent because i like being able to play captain america without inhaling massive amounts of copium and like that's dope that's so sick now you're only inhaling like you know smaller amounts of copium when you play captain america and that's good right like it's like i think that this kind of event is so much more dynamic and interesting and fun than any hot location has ever been. And so if you told me, hey, twice a, twice a week, twice, not twice a week, twice a month, instead of hot locations, we're doing a one day one of these. That's so sick. That's yeah. so good. I think it might That's be a little so bit, much better. A little bit more effort to, uh, to execute other than hot okay, locations. Okay, you don't have to do 10 cards every time. Just be like, I, I bet you... I bet you I could come up with five cards every week. I bet you I could do it. You give me a theme, I bet you I could do it. Yeah, I mean, the goal of these kind of things is not necessarily balance as well. You don't want to egregiously break the metagame, but balance is not necessarily the goal. It's just to give people extra incentive to deck build and experiment with cards that are maybe not currently represented in the metagame. It's cool. Yeah, that- if it's a day, you just get to you just get to screw around, right? Do a day where like you want to see, okay. Do a day where it's like, all right, check this out. Uh, there's a lot of lockjaw running around, right? We buff every card that puts rocks in the deck. I don't know. Is that a thing? Like, do do a thing where like uh Darkhawk, Rock Slide, Korg all get plus two power. And just do it for a day. And is that actually that much worse? Like, this is what I'm what I'm getting at here is like you you hear that and you're like, that's the most annoying shit I've ever heard. But I promise you, it is not more annoying than 95% of hot locations. Like that's that's where I'm going with this, where it's like, yes, that does sound super fucking annoying, but I guarantee you it's better than the average bar sinister hot location day. Mm. I guarantee you it is less deleterious to the metagame and potentially more informative than anything else what about a day where it's like you play original design galactus for, for today it's original <laughs> that would be about as annoying as average hot location. it's average hot location <laughs> like, that is like this is what i'm OG talking about it's so it is so much harder to come up with one of these that is actually on the level of a hot location because yeah. it, like it, the hot location is be, the 
It's the worst. It's the worst. And this is so much better. And they should. Okay, here's here's my pitch. Here's my new plan to get hired by Second Dinner. You ready? Hire me and put me in charge of doing this specifically. (laughs) Give me. a, A stipend and I will do one of these for you every week. And it will be less annoying than a hot location. I promise you. I think hot locations are actually only annoying to players that are highly invested in winning, not their actual player base. I think that their player base probably enjoys it to an extent. But would, our, would their player base enjoy that or would they enjoy this more? Because I think it's also a thing that where their player base would enjoy this more because it is explicitly making the cards they own stronger. What if it was the cards they didn't own that got stronger? That would probably be annoying. I mean, we probably wouldn't have to do it that way. You know what I mean? Like, we would have to focus on early pool stuff. Okay, how about this one? Hot location where Squirrel Girl, Kazar, Blue Marvel, uh, and I don't know. What what other zoo cards? Just pick, like, five zoo cards. Ant-Man, Kazar, Blue Marvel, Squirrel Girl. They all got plus two power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's set- It'd be cool. Series three meta game is is yes. a freaking tyranny at that point. <laughs> It'd be cool, right? Like like one what, guy buys Kyra and just fucking climbs to <laughs> one million infinite. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is like there's so much you can do with this concept that they haven't executed on, and I think it's actually a concept that is best served in one day increments rather than one week. If they're gonna get real weird with it. One week of that sounds terrible, but one day of that sounds great. And much like a hot location, that is a really interesting thing to do. I can tell you, I would be infinitely more inclined to play if they did this instead of hot locations on Wednesdays and Sundays. Mm. Infinitely. Like this is this is. The format of having it for a week limits the power of what you can do, which I think they they properly understood. And they were like, OK, we need to have. A like minimal power thing. That's why we didn't do like, you know, uh, we're not going to buff uh, Deadpool death because that's already good. We don't want to be stupid with this. We're going to buff things that are bad and also fit the theme. Right. And I think a great job. Love that. B, that is a constraint enforced by the fact that it's going to be around for a week. And if this was around for a day, if this was instead of hot locations, you could get so much weirder with it and it would be so much more fun. Yeah, I think the TLDR is that this, this, this event was a win in that they should look into doing it again, you know, and if that means I, I think I think they need to look into doing it again, but not like this. What was that make sense this one specifically that it's a week? Oh, it's an entire week. The fact so. that it's a week limits what you can do with this because you don't want your shit to be extra annoying for an entire week. They should do exactly what I said. <laughs> they should do this is the new hot location twice a month. Twice a month, we're going to do this for a day and we're going to see how you like it. Yeah. All right, I just want to send out some lists for, for new cards. We already talked about one, kind of. Um, but just for the Thanos list, and the leech is interchangeable with a Jeff here. It's just Lockjaw, Kyra, Wave, Shang-Chi, Obsidian, Devil Dinosaur, Leech. Again, that could be Lockjaw. Vision, Blob, Thanos, Scar, Magneto. Um, I mean, this list has been performing really well for me, to be honest. I climbed almost 200 SP in like less than six hours with it, I would say, like over the past couple of days. And yeah, it's just a, it's the snap equity for me. Like there's clearly games that you're not in and there is clearly games that you are in. And yeah, 
at least where I'm competing, it's it's doing really well. For the bounce list, um, this is bounce with Cold Obsidian. Okay, I'm laid out like why you might not want to play this list. This is a list that I was playing. I did cut the Enchantress. It's Hood, Forge, Ispan, Nico, uh, Beast, Zabu, Falcon, Shang-Chi, Werewolf by Night, Cold Obsidian, Sentry, Annihilus. So I was playing into that Nihilus shell. It seemed fine, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, Thanos was just working so much better for me, to be honest. Hey everyone, just popping on here because I realized we had to cut this episode short for, uh, for a multitude of reasons. I just came back from uh, a trip that went down to Austin for the marathon, and uh, yeah, obviously I didn't run. You can probably hear that I'm sick, but yeah, getting back on Monday, putting this episode up, I'm realizing that uh, we didn't really have <laughs> the normal ending to the episode, uh, so I felt like cutting it off like right where I basically did right now would be awkward without this explanation. So anyway, here you go. <laughs> uh, anyway we'll be back to the normal stuff next week thank you all so much for listening um see you then